I am so excited because uh, it's almost Christmas, and I don't know about you guys, but I get super pumped about Christmas and everything that it brings. Uh, when I was younger in marriage, I used to like wait to do Christmas uh, further into the December month, but my wife Leah was like, no, we're gonna start sooner, and so now it's like you get the tree up the day after Thanksgiving. Does anybody put up the tree before Thanksgiving? Wow, that's all. That's early. Okay, so be it. Uh, does anybody like you, you're you're regimented? It's it's Thanksgiving the day after Thanksgiving. You get your tree up. Okay, is anybody still waiting to put their tree up? Uh, a few people get on it. Get on it. Is anybody not going to put up a tree? You don't have to. Okay, that's cool. Um, but uh, but with Christmas uh, is it's a season. You know, it's it's not just a day, and uh, and, and it's it's not just a a twenty four hour period. It, it's actually a season, and that's intentional. Um, the, like the church liturgy actually has a rhythm where we celebrate the season, and that as has been mentioned, it's it's called the season of, of Advent. It's the days leading up to Christmas. Um, historically as, a, as a, a marker of spiritual preparation. And, uh, and I actually need that. I'm, I'm thankful for that because sometimes, I'll be honest, there's just, there, there's a way that I can get caught up in my own rhythms, my own routines. You know, I get busy. I got things on my mind. And what happens is uh, my faith becomes lower and lower on my priority list. And Advent is a way of saying, you know, if that's happening to you, here's a way that intentionally we as a church community and even just beyond this church specifically, but, but we as a Christian community, the body of Christ, all people um, can realign ourselves and, um, and prepare for the celebration of what Jesus has accomplished. And so I'm super excited about that, specifically this morning, because that allows us to begin a brand new series, Clear the Way. This title uh, comes from a passage in Isaiah chapter 40, and Isaiah chapter 40 is actually going to be the passage of scripture that we look at almost exclusively through our focus on Advent. So here's what I'm actually going to ask um, for a few of my good friends to pass out some Bibles. Uh, I want to read a passage this morning that's going to be uh, the, the, the premise of our time. And, uh, and I want you to be able to read it and see it for yourself. So as a Bible's coming around, if you need one, uh, just throw your hand up. Someone's going to give it to you. And turn to Isaiah chapter 40, and that's going to be where we spend all of our time this morning. As the Bibles are going around, I actually want to give some context and, uh, and this is going to help fill in some of the gaps. If you're unfamiliar with scripture, Isaiah is actually known as one of the major prophets. And a prophet's responsibility was to communicate a message to the people. And specifically, at the time of this uh, text's inscription, the message was kind of twofold. One, it was to say to this community of Israel, the Jewish people, um, hey, we've got some problems among our community. We've got some problems among our leadership. We've got some problems among our lifestyle. And Isaiah writes to, to bring some judgment, which is a kind of a scary word in the church. We're always so afraid of judgment. But ultimately, we, we need judgment to, to tell us what's right and wrong. And so Isaiah identifies some things in his fellow, in, in, in his community, his fellow brothers and sisters. Hey, here is a judgment from God. Some things that we need to identify are not good in our lives. And so he calls it out. And, and that can probably bring some, 
you know, some people some, um, some sad thoughts and feelings. And so it's not just necessarily um, judgment, but it's also hope. And so the message of Isaiah to a people is, look, we got, we got to get it together. Um, otherwise, we're going to be facing some severe consequences. There's a message of warning. And, uh, and, and we're going to come back to this word several times this morning. Um, the message of warning is, is in terms of exile. The warning is about exile. Exile um, is a word you find in Scripture or a term you find throughout Scripture that basically means displaced from home. When you're exiled, it's because you're, you're kicked out of your home and you're wandering in a foreign land. And, and while you're in exile, you feel like, man, I, I got to get back home. This, this, this place that I'm at this isn't where I belong. And so the warning is to say to these people, look, the ways that we're living, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to bite us. We're going we're gonna to end up facing the consequences of these decisions, and we'll find ourselves in exile. But when we find ourselves in exile, it's not that that's over. God is still doing something. God is working, and there is a message of hope. So uh, in your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Uh, verses 1 through 5 are going to be uh, the, the focus we have for this morning, and then the next couple weeks we're going to move uh, forward in that chapter. But I specifically want to read verses 1 through 5 in Isaiah chapter 40, and then I want to zero in on a couple key ideas. Are you ready? You feel good? Let's do this. If you've never read Isaiah, oh, there's some stuff for you this morning. So before we read, uh, let me just begin our time in a word of prayer. God, I thank you for the students that are here. I pray that when we, when we read these words, these words from thousands of years ago, words, words of, of encouragement, words of hope, also words of warning, I pray that we, we are not so disconnected from them. I pray that we don't just read them as, as maybe poetic or inspiring for, from a time long ago, but that we see the message of truth as it applies to each and every one of us today. God, let your spirit uh, bring that to um, our knowledge today. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all of her sins. But listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness, which obviously is the focus of our series this month. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the Lord has spoken. Now the image that we get from Isaiah chapter 40 verses one through five is that of, of a path that's, that's currently non-existent, that, that we need to clear the way, we need to make a path specifically so that the God can come to meet us. It's, it's, it's a time of preparation. But I actually want to zero in on one verse in particular, um, and, it's, and it's this line. Tell her that her sad days are gone. There's a lot of good stuff in, in these verses that we just read, but this morning, I want to spend like 100% of our time on this key line. Tell her that her sad days are gone. I've read this several times, and I kept coming back to these, these few words. Tell her that her sad days are gone. What, what does this mean? 
what, what did it mean? What does it mean for me today? I think that there's, there's a few questions that I have. So here's the three questions that I wanna work through this morning. Um, question one is this, who is she? Question two, why is she sad? And then uh, the last question, why are those days gone? Those are the three things that I wanna work through. Now, the first one, um, if you go back to the text, is obvious. Who is she? Well, the verse before it says in verse two um, that it's Jerusalem. It says, here you'll see it on the screen, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone. The reason I point this out to you is because the Bible has a context. We often miss that. Sometimes we think, oh, well, the Bible, you know, you open it up, you read it, and it's got some things that God wants you to see. That's absolutely true. But the Bible was written within a certain context. And a context means that there's a people, that there's a time period. Um, and for the inscription of this passage, Isaiah chapter 40 the audience and the time period um, are the events surrounding Jerusalem just before their exile. Okay, that's good stuff. I mean, right, right. Like I see the word Jerusalem in the Bible all the time. We, we, we talk about Jerusalem and we sing Christmas songs. Okay, that's great. But the challenge is I would, I would wager many of you this morning did not wake up and be like, oh, Jerusalem. Right, like you didn't like have this concern for Jerusalem. You didn't like, you didn't wake up and like weep because it's like, oh, the state of Jerusalem. What are we gonna do, right? And that's because sometimes we miss the context. We, we, we miss that, that this was a real passage written to a real people in a real point in time. And, and, and that's why it's gonna frame the way that we view this. Okay, so you got like the she, that's the easy part. Who is she? Well, she's Jerusalem. Isaiah's writing to this group of people um, that live, live over there. But the second question is this, well, well why is she sad? Because that's, that's really the, the piece to this that, that's important. Well, Jerusalem is a place, but, but for some reason, this, this text seems to insinuate that, that there's a grief, that there's a sorrow. Jerusalem, she is sad. And we have to ask the question, why? Now, here's what we sometimes miss in our own faith. It's like, well, the answer is Jesus, right? Like sometimes we all get sad, but, but they should be happy because Isaiah's talking about the coming of Jesus and he's gonna be the solution. And so we kind of look at it like a star um, as like, here's the quick, easy, simple answer. The answer is Jesus. And in fact, I have a diagram that I think is going to be really helpful to walk through. So the first piece is that. That's what I think of. When I have issues, when I have problems, when I read anything in scripture, the easy answer is simple. It's Jesus. Jesus is the solution, right? But Jesus is the solution within a certain context. And so I, I hope that this diagram is helpful. The context where Jesus is the solution is this. It's a geographic exile. What I mean by that is there's a, they, a people that are physically displaced from their homes. And, and in their displacement, they are being oppressed. Not necessarily something that we're dealing with on a daily basis, especially for those of us here. And so a question that I have for you guys to, to hopefully dive in to see the, the truth in this passage in Isaiah chapter 40 is this. Here's the question I think will get us there. What would you do 
if your home was taken? I think that's a real question you have to ask yourself if you want to see this passage through the lens of its original audience. Think about that for a second. What would you do if your home was taken? Now, a lot of you guys, like, you know, we're American citizens. It's great. We're, we're very privileged. We don't have to deal with uh, geographic exile. Maybe you have like this Maybe you're a patriot, you have this pride, like, yeah, America, right? Or maybe you're Canadian, and that's like America's JV team, and it's like you still have some pride, and it's all good. But, but sometimes we think we have this arrogance that it's like, you know what? Like, that would never happen to us because we're the powerhouse, right? Like, we've got this military, we're so strong, we're the greatest nation ever, don't miss the irony that that is exactly what it looked like for this ancient group Israel. It's like, what, what, what do you do when you see this context um, and, and we try to apply it into our own lives? What would you do if your home was taken? So here's the best example I can give you, the best picture that I can try to put in your mind. It's that, um, like, let's say China is super angry with America all of a sudden. Like, this happens overnight. They've, they've had enough. Our debt, our deficit, they're calling it um, to the bank. It's time, and we say no, and so there's gonna be some sort of a military attack. Let's say China swoops in overnight. They send a bunch of missiles that bomb a bunch of our military bases, and, and just like that, we're, we're all of a sudden invaded by the Chinese army. And with that, they say, here's the next step. We're gonna gather all of you that are, that are citizens. We're going to um, put you either on some sort of a small reservation or we're just gonna send you on a boat to another country. Um, and those of you that get to stay, you have a choice. You can, you can conform to the culture, you can conform to this way of life or you're gonna be killed um, or you can go somewhere else. Now, if someone literally came into the United States and took your home from you. Like there's another person living in your, in your house. There's another kid sleeping in your bed tonight and all of a sudden you, you have nowhere to go. And the place that you go, it doesn't have healthcare. It doesn't have, you don't have access to food. You don't have access to education. Imagine what that would be like. That, imagine how you would feel. That is the picture that we get from Isaiah chapter 40 in this passage. So go back to this chart because we have Jesus is the solution within the context of a geographic exile. But the geographic exile is actually in context of an even greater picture, which is this. It's a spiritual exile. There's a bigger picture here. That, that Jesus, yes, he, he comes into Jerusalem when they're displaced, they're feeling angry, they want revenge, they want to revolt against, um, against the oppressive government, but ultimately the geographic exile takes um, a, a smaller seat to the spiritual exile that we all face, a displacement from our true place in, in God's kingdom. That's a picture of, of Genesis chapter one, when Adam and Eve were, were exiled from Eden because um, because of the, the decisions that they've made, because of the kingdom that they desired to create and the issues that came from that. So let's go to the last question then. Um, we've got, you know, who is she in this passage? She's Jerusalem. Why is she sad? Well, because of, of a geographic exile and ultimately a spiritual exile. When, when this group of people sees um, their, their situation, their circumstance, there's a lot to be sad over. But there's an encouragement here from this passage it says that, the, that her sad days are gone. Why, why are her sad days gone? And that's where we come to the simple answer. Well, the simple answer is Jesus. 
the promise from Isaiah to this ancient group of people is that there is a solution. There is someone on his way. God has not forgotten you. God is aware of your challenges. God is aware of your circumstances, and he's not gonna leave you hanging. He is on his way in the form of Jesus. It seems like a simple answer, but, and, it, and it may be, but it's, it's in a greater storyline in a greater context that we can't miss. So here's the thing I thought, like I was thinking about this and I'm like, okay, this is really important. We, we have to, you know, I, I would argue in order to truly understand the hope of Christmas, we have to place it um, in the story of exile. So that's, that's important to go through. Um, but then I was like, okay, thanks for the history lesson, but what does this have to do with me? Maybe you're feeling that right now. Okay, good, I know what exile is. Thanks, Matt. Well, yay, church. Like, but what, what does that have to do with me? What is this information, how does this information shape um, who I am, where I'm at, and this time that I face. And I have two simple answers to those questions. Number one is this. The reason we have to talk about exile is because you cannot understand the significance of the story of Jesus apart from its context. You just can't. You can't really know who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do without understanding the specific historic place that God placed him in um, to resolve the issues of his ancestry, okay? But the second one is where it really does apply to you, is that the sting of exile is present in your life. You may not be displaced from home, thankfully. Thank God that no one is invading this country and kicking you out of your home. That's good. We can be thankful for that. But that doesn't mean that you personally do not understand and experience a form of exile. The story in Isaiah is that whether it's Jerusalem or otherwise, the sting of exile is present in all of our lives because ultimately it goes back to that final image, that final chart that we may not have a geographic exile, but that is an echo from the true problem, which is a spiritual exile. All of us have moments when we're just distant from God. And the more distance we have between us and God, the more problems we will face in life. There is a solution to that. But I wanna talk about that solution. Because when you look specifically at the geographic exile, here's like sort of the light bulb moment, I'll call it, right? For these people, it's like, oh man, we're, we're displaced from home. There were some warnings for, about this. And it's like, oh, you know, we, you know, we weren't really being a very obedient to God. And so it, like the light bulb moment for these people in geographical exile was, oh, we've got it, bingo. We, we were trusting in the wrong things. Duh, that's our problem. Oh, that, if, that, if we would have known that, we wouldn't have made this mistake. But that again is, is, is a picture of something greater. That might be the solution, the light bulb moment for the geographical exile, but it's also the same for the spiritual one. For all of us in our own lives, when we have that light bulb moment, uh, it's, it's the same conclusion. We have the geographical exile, we have the spiritual exile, and we wanna say the same thing. We've trusted in the wrong things. That's the problem. When we have spiritual exile, when we're distant from God, what gets us there is because we've simply trusted in the wrong things. So here's where we're gonna end this morning. I hope, I hope that the context frames some, some perspective, but ultimately uh, the most important part is going back to those same three questions. Who is she? Why is she sad? And why are those days gone? 
It can be very easy to read something like the book of Isaiah, this Old Testament prophecy, and think that that doesn't have a lot of relevance for your life today. I would argue contrary to that. I would say, you know, who, who is she? Well, the passage is talking about Jerusalem, but ultimately it's talking about you. You are Jerusalem. She is you. That's, the, the scripture has, has truth for you in your life. Okay, so when I read Isaiah and I, I get the message of, of hope and caution, I've identified that the scripture's talking to me, so, so why is she sad? Why are you sad is really the question we're asking. And unfortunately, I can't stand here on this stage and answer that question for you. I don't know what grieves your heart. I don't know what is causing sorrow or sadness in your life. But whatever it is, that's the challenge that the text has for you is to identify what, what is the grief you're experiencing? What are, what, what are the problems, the issues that you're facing? The things that, when you, essentially, when you look back at your life, you, you, you say to yourself, there's gotta be better, there's gotta be a better day for me ahead because this just isn't good enough. Whatever that is, what are the issues, the problems, the concerns that you have? What's bringing sadness into your life? And that's where I think we can come to the last piece. This, this hope that we get from Isaiah 40, your sad days are gone. Why? Because of the simple answer that scripture points to. Because of Jesus. I, I promise you, and I'm, I'm not just saying this to oversimplify. Whatever issue, whatever problem, whatever sadness event in your life is going on, I promise you, the solution is Jesus. I know that sounds overly simplified. Like, well, Matt, yeah, but you don't really get it. And here's, here's why I can say that the solution is Jesus. is because his way, his kingdom, is aligning us to who we're truly made to be. So whatever problem you're facing, whatever is grieving your life right now, I promise you, the scripture's promise to you is that you can trace that issue to its solution in Jesus. That by following him, by practicing his way, by putting your trust in his way of life for you, that those problems become solutions, that those prayers become answered, that there is another better day ahead. And that's a promise given to you by God. And that's where we wanna end this morning. Um, there's, there's more layers to this. As we work through Isaiah chapter 40, we're gonna talk about a, a bunch of different things. And, and ultimately, what I hope you gathered today is, um, is a little bit more knowledge, because I think that's gonna be helpful when we wrestle with scripture. The knowledge of this exile we read about um, is, is an exile we experience, maybe in different ways, but still just as true to each and every one of us. Among your exiles, among the things that are causing you distance from God, the question today is how can you turn back to him? How can you use this Advent season as a season of preparation to say, you know what, maybe I have been a little bit distant from God. Maybe I have made some choices I'm not too proud of. But luckily, that's the gift that we have as a community is to say, okay, okay, I recognize that, but I wanna make a change. I wanna turn back to God. I'm not, I'm not super happy or proud of this, and so I'm gonna do something different this time. That's the challenge that, that Advent brings in all of our lives. For those of us that follow Jesus, to identify those areas and then to make a change, to make a choice to have faith in Jesus. You dig? You feel good? Holla back. 
Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to keep reading through it in the upcoming weeks. My challenge to you guys, read some Isaiah yourself. Uh, Let me pray for us, and we are wrapping up. God, I thank you for our high school students in the room. Uh, I pray that even in a small way, maybe a greater knowledge of what exile is, how we find it in Scripture, and ultimately what it means for us um, will help us recognize the deeper, more important truth in this passage, which is, God, sometimes we're far from you. God, sometimes we, we just make decisions that, that, that um, put us in a quote-unquote foreign land, and, and we, we feel like, you know, this isn't where I belong. This isn't what I, where I was made to be. This isn't who I was made to be. I want to be back home. God, I pray that the message this morning is clear and simple, that home is Jesus. That's, that's the simple truth, God, that when we want to go back home to who we really are, who we're really called to be, our home is Jesus. And, and by identifying that, we can make steps towards him even beginning now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. See you guys, have a great afternoon.